0: While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now tune in, get ready, and enjoy the journey of emerging as a leader of exception in the 21st century.
1: Welcome, everyone, to the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Nethling, coming to you from Roswell, Georgia. The goal of this podcast is to bring topics and guests that will empower you and your business to take it to the next level. Today, I am very excited to interview Glenn Polis, and let me tell you about Glenn. So Glenn is the co-founder and vice president and general manager of Gap Wireless Inc., a leading distributor for the mobile broadband wireless and test and measurement equipment markets. With over three decades of experience in sales, he spent thousands of hours in the field or on the phone with sales, excuse me, with customers and workers of salespeople to create several very successful companies. And after entering the sales field in 1985, as a technical sales rep, Glenn founded his first company M.M. Wave Technologies, Inc. In 1991, and he simultaneously served as president of Anritsu, is that how you say it? Anritsu Electronics for nine years. Using his extensive knowledge and experience in the industry, he lectures groups on sales strategy, consumerism, and what motivates people at the raw emotional level. A title I took today was based on uh, some of the interview questions we're going to have, and it is what to do and what to avoid to get the deal. Please join me in welcoming Glenn Paulus. Hello, Glenn. Hi,
2: Vi- Hi Vicky. Thank you so much for having me.
1: So we always start with an easy question, and then I have some follow-ons. Where do you call home right now?
2: So I live in uh, Oakville, Ontario, which is near Toronto, Canada, and uh, I'm fortunate enough to have a weekend place, which we call in Canada up north. In in Toronto, we call this, uh, you know, when you go out of the city, uh, they call that going up north, right? (laughs) And so I'm one of the lucky ones. I've got a place up here, and uh, I had to come up here for uh, a roof repair, so I got to come up a day early. Normally, I come up Friday night. Nice. uh yeah so i'm 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 from Ontario, Canada.
1: I'm very familiar with Ontario. I helped launch the u p s store and oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so I spent two years going back and forth from Atlanta to Toronto. Wow, and nice. uh, it was great. I loved being there. The people were so friendly and wonderful. Oh nice All right, so the first question I have though outside of the normal questions I have is what was mm wave technologies focus as well as your other company? What, what were those two companies um, actually doing? Was it in the wireless?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'll explain that. The, uh, uh, the word mm wave is a technical term that I coined. I actually, the the name i had come up for the company, it got rejected on the (laughs) nuance search and I had like, I'm at the lawyers trying to incorporate the companies, like, that's not going to work. Right. And I, so I thought, uh, yeah, I, I was flipping through a technical magazine looking for mm-hmm. a word that was unlikely to have been taken, and <laughs> MM wave was a word. Right. And uh, I thought, oh, that's perfect. But, uh when I was starting that company that was in 1991 Mm -hmm. it was because uh I was quitting my job as a technical sales rep because my my the owner of the company didn't want to partner with me on this new venture and I was going after this newfangled technology now it never went anywhere it was all based around the cell phone right and we Mm -hmm. know that didn't go anywhere no who needs a cell phone (laughs) right and uh yeah just Flash in the pan. Right. And, um, but MM wave it's, a, it's got to do with the, uh, like the frequency of the, of the phone and, um, and the new 5g is based on MM wave technology. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, back in 1991, I was uh, sort of like 35 years ahead of my time, uh, in terms of using that, that sort of buzzword. Cause it's quite popular now, uh, for oh. the new, the new radios that are out there and my new company, is the same sort of business, a little mm-hmm. different. Um, and uh, I started that in 2007. Mm-hmm. I have a par- had a partner in uh, in Quebec and um, we sold the business in February of 2022. So like uh, a year and a half uh, ago, sort of, like a little over right a year d- ago. Right in the... Yeah, right in the <laughs> sweet spot. And um, I th- one would, I think to myself, it was probably the best time to sell, yeah. Um, you know, but, but I mean, of course, 2022 was a banner year for, for I think most people, mm-hmm. uh, especially in technology. And um, yeah. And so I agreed to stay on. And now I actually have a job and I work for the company that bought me. And uh, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I have a boss and uh, several bosses. And how's uh, that going for you? <laughs> yeah. It's quite different. Yeah, quite yeah. different. I can definitely write a book on that. Yeah, I'm just taking sure. notes right now. <laughs>
1: I'll send you the transcript. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I, um, I retired in 2018 after 20 years of project management. And the, um, I spent two years just kind of being the normal retiree, going on trips, hanging out with my grandson,
2: <laughs> Yeah,
1: watching... Hallmark Channel, and I says, "Well, yeah. this is not for me."
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So you know, I started my businesses, and I had already an anti-aging business that I was doing as a side hustle. So the um, funny thing was, I got called just as I—I I guess two months after I incorporated, the my old company called me and said, "Could you stand up a PMO for us? It's just going to be a short." thing. Yeah. a year later i was still yeah, doing right. that project but it it as you say though it is weird once you are your boss to be yeah. a um an employee again it's it wasn't yeah. you know it wasn't terrible but it was no, just right. different
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah, right
1: so how do you show them with the wsp method to maximize you and your product's attractiveness
2: to the eye of the consumer. So yeah, so we kind the way we kind of say it is showing them the WSP, that's kind of the way it comes off the tongue when you're saying mm-hmm. it, like just show, show them the WSP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Show them the WSP, right? Which which is uh uh you know sort of the you, you're winning sales personality, but really oh. it's just a, an acronym for the behavior of what you're doing. And it really goes back to a kind of a phrase, which I didn't make up, but um, is attraction is not a choice, right? Uh, and, you know, and um, <clears throat> the um, the whole idea behind uh, what I learned about selling is that uh, there's kind of two ways to, um, uh, you know, present a product, you know, and sometimes this comes out a little sideways, but nonetheless, the you know, the way I tell the story in the book is, um, you know, about there's a, uh, you know, a beautiful woman, she's standing in the lobby, she has this bright red dress on. And, you know, and then and so it was after during a seminar, and I, and I asked everyone who walked in, uh, after lunch, I said, how many of you noticed that woman in the red dress? And uh, they all put up their hand, right? And I said, how many of you noticed those three guys over by the, uh, uh, that were sort of bickering over by the front desk and no one put up their hand. I go, that's the WSP, right? Yeah. Like it's, something and basically when something and it doesn't you know it, it i just used the uh, example of a of a lady in a in a nice red dress or whatever it, another example is cars right oh um, yeah oh yes you know like who noticed the you know that mercedes gt parked out front everyone you know why because it's just amazing to look yeah, at and yeah. and it doesn't have a sign on it that says hey look at me or it doesn't have the horn, doesn't honk every three minutes going, Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. Right. <laughs> and so many of the sales guys that I've worked with, they're kind of like Honking macho, their horn, braggadocious. Like I like to use that word in the book, right. You know, yes. look at me, I've got the best product and yeah. you know, we're the biggest, the fastest, the widest, the deepest, the cheapest, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and I said, that's not what gets a, that's not what gets a customer's uh, attention. What gets mm-hmm. their attention is when you show your product, In its natural light allowing its attractiveness to come out naturally right and so um and you know that can be done by sometimes showing a video of where your where your product or service is you know is is demonstrating its capability just by looking at it right and not somebody just bragging about it and um and so that's what i mean by uh them the wsp right And oftentimes, because I sell high ticket, high tech items, right? That's what our companies typically sell Mm -hmm. a lot of these products. Are cool, right? And yeah. they do cool things, and they do it in a nice, cool way. Or and of course, being in a sales company, we're always selling the latest technology, right? So I'm not selling yesterday's products. Yes. I'm always I'm always bringing the latest technology. I get to push the the latest buttons and show the latest products, right? Yeah. And so oftentimes we look at these products and like, wow, these this is cool. Like this is really state of the art. And then so we'll say, you know, the guy will say, I'm going to the customer and to show it to them next week. And I'm like, show them the WSP right like yeah and just let it create that
1: FOMO yeah
2: yeah exactly yeah (laughs) and uh so that's kind of what I mean by that Mm -hmm. and what I really mean a lot of times uh, the things I'm saying is is what not to do right yeah like don't go marching in with this big uh you know uh with your muscle shirt on and you know flexing your muscles and going you know I'm the biggest I'm the best right yeah you want to have a more subtle uh, you know, more natural approach, uh, to how you, you, you drive attractiveness towards your product or service. And it's not easy sometimes to figure out ways. Um, but you know, if you put your mind to it, you can often, you can often figure out ways of showing it in its best light. So
1: I was on a, a sales team. We had a a special group of 20 of us and our, our customers were not doing something that they needed to be doing, they were right. they were causing a problem. But I couldn't go to the customer and say, you you know, you're you're breaking the system here, <laughs> you're, you're screwing <laughs> up. You couldn't do that. So we had a we booked three hours with them to just chat. And our our premise was we're just going to talk about the technology that they put in place over the last whatever ten years, and have them tell us, you know, what have they done to innovate and be creative? And they shared everything for the first hour. And then we shared for the next hour, the things that we did for the last 25, 30 years to innovate, to better serve them and whatnot. And then I showed them a seven minute video of, and this is when I worked for UPS, of their packages going through our largest automated hub and doing, as it's going all through this thing, you know, and they're just watching those packages and all of a sudden these packages start to go off to the side. And they're like, oh. and I just was like, wait for it. <laughs> and they're like, that's <laughs> not my package. is it? And I said, as a matter of fact, it is. <laughs> and then they would do anything I asked them. And if they, at any time, as they're telling about what they're doing, talked about a problem that our company could help them with. I bagged all of the stuff that I was going to do and just helped them to try to solve their problem. And again, they would do anything I asked them to do. And it wasn't me, you know, ringing that bell or anything. And I think that's what people forget when they sell. Yeah. That, you know, you got genius. to listen.
2: Yeah. That's genius. And that's definitely showing them the WSB <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. I know. Well it was done. Awesome. Yeah.
1: yeah. So, uh, I, you know, that, and those are kind of lessons as I, I didn't ever consider myself a salesperson, but you know, when I believe in something I can pitch it for sure. And yeah. uh, that to me was so great. Cause I thought, Oh, when we first got on this assignment, I thought I was going to have to convince them and all these much smarter people than me. <laughs> just a seven minute video is yeah. all I needed. <laughs> yeah,
2: The, the video is the example I give most of the time on how you can, you can accomplish so much more mm-hmm. just quietly. Don't say anything, let the video run. And let it, let it speak for itself. Right. Yeah. And uh,
1: so you also yeah. talk about greed based learning and yeah. how that helps you obtain the knowledge to sell your product. Can you go into a little bit more detail about greed based learning?
2: Yeah. So again, these are all tricks that I learned of the trade as I mm-hmm. was, you know, coming up from mid twenties to, well, now I'm 60, 61, if I'm honest. <laughs> and, um,
1: well, that the, makes uh... me feel old because I'm much <laughs>
2: well but um i you know the first company i worked for they they sold products from about 40 companies around the world and each company you know had five or ten products and do the maths like you know three four hundred products i had to learn right i found it was i found it was like uh virtually impossible right Mm -hmm. and you know there was all sorts of different technology uh meet needs that they were meeting with customers and and so there was really no systematic approach, right? And uh, I was working through the products one at a time. And then eventually, you know, I started getting in front of customers and uh, getting opportunities. Mm-hmm. And I realized that the that it was just an instinct that i was that I recognized in myself, which was that once I could tie uh, this, and this is where greed comes in, right? Once where I could tie a financial gain for myself <laughs> to the technology that I was selling, the learning became effortless. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this is the way as a way I train new people on, Oh, how am I going to learn all these products or whatever? And I said, you don't need to learn them all. You just need to learn them one at a time. And and how am I going to do that? Just use greed-based learning. Right. And I said, you know, and I explained to them, like, you know, this product here, you know, this is a, we sell all sorts of different products. One of the mm-hmm. things we sell are, uh, for instance, a hundred thousand dollar antenna that mm. companies buy in order to, for events, special events for, to maximize the number Therapy of cell points. phone users yeah, and right, hundred right. grand for an antenna is a lot. Right. Yeah. And, um, but I said, now imagine, you know, your commission on that if you get the <laughs> sale and what if they, what if they, you know uh, what if they buy three or four for different, you know, regions and things like that. I said, now go home and now learn about the product, right? Yeah. And I mean, uh, when you break it down, right? It's a, it sounds very simple, but the the example I use in the book, which really uh, I think sends it home for a lot of people, is that I don't know anything really. I don't know anything about cars. I'm not a car person. I mean, I enjoy driving my car, and you know, and I enjoy having a nice car, or what have you. But every four years, I get a car, and uh, sort of every three to four years, you know, you get a new car, and For those two weeks, when I'm looking at cars, I become... Like an expert, and everybody at work and at home, I can justify why I need the, you know, (laughs) you know this particular brand. It doesn't, you know, and through the years, I've, I've, you know, sort of traded up in in terms of the brands, right? And, uh, you know, now I'm trying to justify myself between, you know, Audi, Mercedes, and BMW. Before Mm -hmm. it was Ford, Chevy, and Chrysler, but, but, but I would know, you know, the size of the tires and the, you know, the, uh, the horsepower and Mm -hmm. the torque and the, you know, the carburation and the exhaust and I'd be rhyming off all this stuff. And you know, I'd finally get the car that i that I wanted after, you know, just getting so excited about it. And then I would just forget about all those facts, right? And <laughs> yes. for four years, I wouldn't think about cars again, right? <laughs> yeah. Then all of a sudden, instantly, I would get this capacity to learn about cars, right? And it's like, where do I, you know, like I don't naturally understand it or know it. But for some reason, During that period of when I'm getting a car, my ability to retain the information becomes effortless. And what happens as a salesperson is over time, because these things recur, reoccur, you build a knowledge base to become. And, and again, also there's other tips I go to in the book where you don't have to learn to be a PhD in, in automobiles or antennas or anything like that. You, you just need to learn the top sort of five key things to sound intelligent and then how to leverage the experts in your company or your environment that you're in, right? Like we work with engineers and product managers and, you know, people from the companies which are, are scattered around the world, right? And um, and I do tell a story about, you know, how I – when I learn – when I meet new new vendors from new companies – how I drill them on the way to the customers and throughout each meeting it throughout the days that I'm with them, I'm remembering more and more of what the, what the product manager says. Yeah. And by the end of the the day that I'm with them, I'm, I'm basically carrying on the first 20 minutes or so of the discussion with the customer. Whereas a lot of times salespeople just stand there and they'll let the vendor or whatever, do the talking, you know, and, and um, heaven forbid, Sometimes I've seen them pull out their phones and things like that. Oh, good. And, um, (laughs) yeah, and, um, and so, and then I build up those, I build up those, uh, you know, those four or five key points. And then I say, and now let, you know, John tell you the rest of the story about this wonderful product. Right. And, um, and you know, there's. There's an examples I give where that where they they had after they'd visited our our company they'd call my boss. This was at my first job, and they'd say, "Oh, that Glenn guy, he's awesome. Like, don't ever lose him, right? He's amazing." Yeah. And and it was just about the way I I uh, I interacted with the information and the customer and the vendor to um, you know just to show value and yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. And, and that's, that's how I, I
1: think that's important too. And as you're doing that talk or whatnot how how you listen to what's being said and be able to interact and and pivot when needed you know is also important and i think those people that were standing along the way if they if you panned it off to them and all of a sudden they're parroting what you just said because they didn't listen to what you just said then that's not gonna make them um good good impression. so yeah. Well, all the more reason to yeah. pay attention, y'all. <laughs> yeah. So what are the 10 types of challenging customer? <laughs> I could oh, go yeah. for I could go for more than 10, maybe. But go ahead. Give me yeah, the top the, 10.
2: The, uh yeah, I'm not sure I memor I have those
1: memorized. Give the, me two. Uh, Give me two. Uh, What's the two uh, that come to mind the most?
2: so the 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 biggest one that we deal with is the sort of the you know let i would i would say like the know it all right the oh yes yeah, and so they they're you know they're not wanting to um they're not wanting to allow, like they, you show up, and you're trying to present your product. I already know about that. Just, you know, tell me your price, um, you know, and uh, you know, leave me the information and not, not, they've already really made up their mind Mm -hmm. and they're not really, they're being inflexible in terms of wanting to allow you to compete. Right. Mm -hmm. And usually that occurs when they're trying to keep their primary choice honest right so they really don't want to buy your product yeah and um they their cfo or somebody in the finance says you got to get three quotes or you you know and so to make it look good they bring in a couple of competitors but they really don't want to allow you the opportunity to present your product in the best light because they they don't really want to have their mind changed Mm -hmm. right and um the yeah and i mean which you know like the also goes along with being in uh, one of the ones that I think is intransigent. I give them all names and I'm sorry I just can't remember them but intransigent uh Ian or something like that is one of the ones mm. I name where even when you've shown them beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've got the they're just intransigent about wanting to change their mind yeah. right um the I've been you on know, both
1: sides of that
2: <laughs> yeah the um the, there's a you know the other challenging one I have is where uh I call I have a a saying it's called, um, Familiar, sort of implied familiarity also breeds contempt, right? Uh, I don't know if, you, if you've if you ever heard the saying, familiarity breeds contempt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's kind of like if you get stuck with a person for some people for too long, it's like you kind of get it contemptuous about some yes, of their behaviors. Yes. Yeah, it's very common, right? And mm-hmm. uh, uh, especially in traveling and trips and things like that, right? And um, I but, think
1: marriage I mean, too. So,
2: yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to go there, but yeah. I know. Well, I've been married. Married 44 years, so I can yeah. go there. It's yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, but the, you know, what I do find with the, some people is that they um, they imply familiarity, and so in um, this particular one, actually, I guess it's sometimes more of the on the salesperson with the buyer, mm-hmm. where where they're walking in, and uh, I tell a story about a guy who. Um, he looks behind the, the buyer and he says, Oh, I didn't know you were a fisherman and uh, I'm a fisherman. It looks like you're bass fishing. You know, we should go fishing on the weekend. And, and the guy looks over his shoulder and he says, Oh my God. He said, I forgot that photo was there. I go, he goes, that's my ex father-in-law. He goes, you know, I hate fishing. He said, it was just, I had to do that to keep my wife happy. And uh, (laughs) you know, and he grabs the photo sort of throws it in the, you know, throws it in the trash. And,
0: and basically
2: (laughs) you're implying that you're familiar with the guy, but you're not right. And the same thing, like, you know, you might be an avid golfer and you might, you know, maybe a customer dropped a a bucket, like a little uh, sleeve of golf balls, you know, and you you start rhyming off about, Hey, let me take you over to this links club and we'll go golfing and do 18 holes. And and, and before you've established rapport, right. Not allowing people to establish rapport and, um, Yeah. So that's a, that's a big challenge. The, um, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, the the big thing that I'm uh, that I like to try to get across in the book is the sort of the concepts of rapport and active listening yes. and the techniques for uh, for doing that right and mm-hmm. um, I give people exercises especially to work on with their spouse on practicing active listening <laughs> and um, it's often it's often made for some fun stories and what have yes. you um, the um, but uh, but for me. My my approach is that even if I'm going to lose the business, I want to make sure the customer finds the interaction with me to be his the highlight of the of the transaction. So uh, I'm not always going to get the business, and so you know when yeah, but I you realize you don't want to
1: burn bridges, right? Right. So it, it's yeah. not a no; it's just not right now.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, I always teach my guys: look, when you get to the point where you realize. From a pretty much unequivocal sense that you're not getting the order, you need to excuse yourself politely from the competition. And because the every every dollar you spend trying to get an order you're not getting, you're wasting it. You would be yeah. better off to go to the, you know, the guy, let's say brand A that's getting the business, go to the next customer where that guy's not at and go and go and get that customer's attention, right? Because the guy mm-hmm. can't be in two places at one time. Right. So I, the rule is I'd rather be, uh, last than second. Right. And, uh, cause it costs a lot of money to come in second, uh, but to come in last and to, you know, um, you know, it, or but to recuse yourself, you know that's when you start saving money. You're not flying engineers in from around the world. You know, bringing in the factory people. You know, scheduling webinars and you know uh, expensive demos. When the when you can realize that you don't have the right product, or they're not gonna, they're not gonna yeah. engage with you. It's it's a tough call. Like people are like, oh, you should fight to the end. And I'm like, well, no. You should you should definitely present your products in their best light. Show them the WSP. But the moment you realize that it they're really going a different way, then you want to stop expending your company's resources and and then chase to the next deal before that guy can get there
1: yeah. and have him
2: come in behind you, right? And, right, um, right. Yeah. Um, going along with that same rule as the uh, which I realized myself, right? Which was. Um, you know, if you're selling the number three or four brand, a lot of, a lot of times people go into sales, they don't realize it till they get the job, but they realize that they're, um, they're working for the number three or the number Mm -hmm. four brand. Well, uh, you know, the Pareto principle of 80-20 is, you know, usually the top brand gets 80%, right? The second brand gets the 80% of the, la- the what's left. And by three or four, you know, you're fighting yeah. on three or 4% of the business, right? right? right. And so my my uh, recommendation is if you find yourself selling the number four brand, you need to quit and go and get a job at a better company, right? right. Like you built your skills up and it's because you only have one life to live, right? You exactly. only have one career, And so you might as well work for the top brand you can get at so that your skills can be rewarded, uh, you know, by the market. Right. And um, yeah, because who wants to spend all their time selling a product where most of the time you won't get the business. Right. Yeah. Yeah. uh, yeah.
1: You talked a little bit about your book and I just wanted to introduce the, uh, the book itself is never sit in the lobby. And if you could just share a bit about, you know, some of the, Information that they'll find in that book beyond what we've already talked about.
2: Okay, so um, yeah, so it it starts off with a, a series of sort of uh, the rules that uh, any salesperson would uh, would want to follow. Mm-hmm. At least I would hope they would want to follow. And and uh, the saying I like to say is how to get, act, and stay in front of customers and be a pleasure to do business with um, always. Yeah. Right. That's sort yeah. of the, uh, the little saying I like to, I, I like to, um, like to share about what, uh, re- really about what the book is about. And it starts with, uh, the title of the book, which is never sit in the lobby. Right. And so, uh, people are like, what do you mean by that? You know, uh, uh you know, <laughs> should I sit in my car? Oh, and I'm like, no, no you you're, missing I, you <laughs> you're missing the point. You're missing the point. <laughs> don't show up late. Don't show up too early. Mm-hmm. Get to the lobby, introduce yourself and don't sit down. Right. Be yeah. waiting, be, att- you know, don't be on your phone, you know, texting your spouse or looking at Facebook or, you know, be attentive, be waiting for the person to walk in and be standing so that when they walk through the door, you know, you can shake their hand, mm-hmm. say hello, say hello and start and and then another rule and it's a little like a whole sh- kind of like spiel if I should say that of rules that all go together and the next one is always have something in your hand and something in your mind right uh-huh. and so in that case it's um you know it could be a quotation they asked for it could be literature they were interested in or mm-hmm. it might be like a promotional item that your company's giving away yeah. golf balls mouse pads pens you know uh all that sort of trinkets that companies mm-hmm. give away mm-hmm. uh or, you know and but always have something in your hand and always have something in your mind specifically that you want to talk to them about yeah. and um the um the the next little rule in that sort of series is always ask for a mini tour, right? And wow. so one asks, "What's a mini tour, right? Like, what's the difference? What? Why is it a mini tour, right?" And I'm like, "Well, a mini tour is a tour that's mini, and it means basically <laughs> it's not a tour." Cause if you've ever been on a tour, you go on, you know, you go away with your, your husband or wife and you're in a city and you go on these four hour tours. Right. And by the time the four hours are up, you're kind of uh, yeah. drained. Right. Oh, yeah. And so people, right. people don't want to have to give you a four hour tour but a mini tour is one where they're taking to see their new lab or their new warehouse a mm-hmm. new uh, facility, you know, the new office, something, yeah. the reason that you're there for the kind of products that you sell or services, and you really, what you're trying to do is figure out a way of getting behind the lobby and into their office when you didn't have a scheduled meeting for it. Uh, it's just, hey, I know you have that new lab that you're, you know, is there any way I could get a quick look at it? Just a mini tour. and. And, and mm-hmm. the, uh, and then usually when they kind of hum and ha or whatever, and they, they kind of get like a little reticent about it or whatever I say, look, I promise I won't sell anyone, any encyclopedias while we're, uh, you know, while we're, <laughs> while we're in there. Right. And they usually laugh and, or I'll say, I won't sell you any insurance or any encyclopedias or anything like that. Right. And they'll laugh. Right. And so the, and a couple of the other two rules that sort of go with that little pack, um, is, um, you know, never forget a face. Right. And, um, and so the, so what I do is when I get to a client, I'll nowadays, I, you know, before I had a call book, but, in, but nowadays obviously I have my phone and my laptop, uh, I'll actually go to that customer. And I'll say who, who here have I met? Right. And what I do is I, re-remember their face right and so mm-hmm. because you know we've all been in those situations where you walk in and someone immediately announces you by name and it says oh hi vicky and you're like oh uh, hi
1: and yeah, you know, know the moment's
2: gone right it's done i they know you don't faces, remember faces
1: i can't remember names yeah so frustrating. Right.
2: yeah yeah and it leaves that you know it's as i love to say it's not a good look right yeah. and so what i do is i re-remember them And so I remember, hey, Tom, he's the tall guy, right? Bob, that's the bald guy. You Mm -hmm. know, Sally's got red hair, whatever. And if I don't remember them and I can't picture them or what have you, now I have the joy of being able to go to LinkedIn, you know, and seeing their photo, right? And so I remember them. Yeah. And so now... I, you know, showed up in the lobby, something in my hand, asked for a mini tour. They're walking me to the lab to show me the new facility, right? Mm -hmm. What do I walk by? There's Sally. Hey, Sally, how's it going? Nice. again. And then Bob, Jack, Sam, you know, Mm -hmm. Joe, Bill, and, you know, and, and then these people, they start to remember like, oh, that Glenn guy, he always remembers my name. And oh, yeah, Yeah. he's my favorite salesperson. And these are the thoughts that go through their minds, right? Yeah, for sure. And, and the guy that you're with, if he's kind of, if you're kind of new, he's like, holy, this guy knows everybody (laughs) and it establishes sort of rapport. Right. And, um, yeah. And so those are kind of rules that I stack together and, um, it's in sort of, you know, to when I first show up at a customer Mm -hmm. and, you know, and how to engage them. Right. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's part of the book. The other parts are, you know, there's a lot of sections on rapport. And then there's some tough lessons I learned about not not doing due diligence on hiring. Um, I actually go right into even explaining um, where to sit at a table during a customer lunch or dinner. Oh, my Uh, goodness. Oh, yeah, how like I have it all down to a science, right? And uh, what do I order? Where do I sit? Um, you know, how do I behave? Mm. Um, and and, you know, the reason why the rules are there is because I tell the stories of the guys that screwed up in my career. And I named the rules after them, right? And I had this one guy that one of the funniest stories I love telling is the Quigley factor. Mm -hmm. And um, so the Quigley factor is this guy, we hired him and we would go out with customers and we go out with customers still now, but not quite as much as we used to, obviously, especially since the pandemic, but At one point, we were always taking customers out to dinner, and so it happened a lot, right? And so we'd ask different salespeople to come along this guy would go, co- would go into the restaurant and he would sit down and he would start off by saying, Oh yeah. Like I'll have like a double scotch and, and you know, what do you want black or I don't know alcohol. I don't drink, but I mean, like he'll order the black Johnny Walker black if that's mm, the expensive one, yeah, whichever yeah. one, if there was a gold, he Johnny Walker gold. <laughs> right. Then, then he would go to the, the, uh, you know, then he go to the the menu, right? And the customer orders like, you know, chicken parmesan or the salmon, the you mm-hmm. know, the blackened salmon, and you know, the boss orders, uh, you know, may, maybe a steak or something and whatever. And he goes, "I'll have the surf and turf."
1: you oh, know <laughs> <laughs> no, that's And so a...
2: we we came up with this joke after a while, where we realized that it wasn't he was it. it we would basically open the menu, me and this one of my coworkers, and we'd look and quickly scan what's the most expensive thing on the menu. And we go, Yeah, you know, he's gonna have the sea bass, the Chilean sea bass, and mm-hmm. and uh because it was the most expensive yeah, thing, right? right? And then we would get around to him and he's like, Yeah, I think tonight I'll have the Chilean sea bass, please. <laughs> right. And it was just a bad look, right? And yeah, so yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, especially when the boss is paying, right. Or, or uh, someone else for that matter. Right. Um, But yeah, so those are some of the, um, you know, some of the stories and, you know, and, and again, I do, I'm pretty honest about some of the mistakes I've made Mm -hmm. in my career and, um, you know, and I recommend to the reader not to make them. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, that's, I think the best lessons we learn. And, you know, as we get older The one of the gifts that we give people is we we share our mistakes so they don't have to make them or if they make them, at least they might know a solution how to get out of the mess that they just created. Yeah. So it's time for us to do the rapid fire. And uh, I saw on your website that you like to hike. So what is what's the best hiking trip you ever took?
2: Uh, that would be, um, uh, uh, in Santorini in Greece, I guess, uh, oh, wow. where you go between Firo and Oyo, or I can't remember the, the names actually of the two cities, but it's I think 11 kilometers, uh, kind of along the side of yeah. the, the mountain there. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, wow. That was, uh, that was quite the hike, I would say. And, uh, I got some good photos. Of, I from was that just going
1: to say, you probably got
2: yeah. awesome photos. Yeah, that was probably the best, but, um, yeah, my place up north. We're in what's called Blue Mountain, and I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people would say that's not a mountain, but it's uh, it's the biggest, like, it's the best I can do in Ontario, <laughs> and uh, the uh, it's part of the Niagara Escarpment from the you know, yeah. um, that it's a natural formation, and uh-huh. uh, the hiking is incredible, and the uh-huh. Bruce Trail obviously runs all through here, and uh, uh-huh. so there's really good hiking actually in Ontario. So, well, but definitely awesome. Greece was probably top of the list.
1: So you you wrote a book you you know talked about the business you have what's next on your journey
2: well the yeah so i love being transparent and honest about things so the you know doing podcasts and things like that is definitely the highlight of my day especially versus working for a boss that i never (laughs) had before at least not in the last 30 years right yeah and um and so you know trying to figure out uh and i have to stay here for a couple years um you know based on them acquiring the company and everything but as that sort of times out i'd love to you know maybe do a more uh you know, a speaking tour of some sort yeah. or another. Uh, however, I can establish that for myself, right? I'm still working on how to how exactly to do that. But right now, I'm sort of dipping my toe in the podcast uh, realm. And and like I said, it's definitely the highlight of my day. And yeah. uh, I love doing that. So I'd love to share the some of the stories. And, and I am realizing I joined a, a mentoring group with other, um, you know, entrepreneurs and stuff. And I realized that I've a lot of uh been through a lot of things at my business that I could share with other mm-hmm, entrepreneurs who are sure. maybe earlier on in their game mm-hmm. you know how to set up compensation how to deal with problem employees you know yeah. um how to structure sales and marketing teams um I have a lot to share in that uh, regard and so you know on a limited basis I'd love to sounds like uh, a coaching you know, program with, to yeah, me something like that yeah. yeah
1: that sounds good that sounds good we'll have to Check back with you in a year, see where you are. So I'm going to share my screen now. So those that are listening as well as watching can get Glenn's information. You can screenshot the, uh, if you're watching or I will give the website, all the information is on my YouTube and also will be on my website. So the website is glennpolis.com. So that's G-L-E-N-N-P-O-U-L-O-S.com, Glennpolis.com. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, so and LinkedIn. So Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter using his name. And I'm going to let him talk to you about what you can find on his website, glennpolis.com.
2: Right. So uh thank you for that. And um so if you go to my website, uh, there's some little giveaways. There's a a, a a scenario I have called the Punch Perfect Pitch and Close, which I uh, which is a, a a multi-page little worksheet for sales and other people, anyone, anyway, to create a, a compelling presentation, right, on how to win business um, using my technique, which I call the Punch Perfect Pitch and Close, mm-hmm. right. And, nice. Um, But I also have uh, snippets from the book there and uh, links to all the social media sites, all the podcast links that I've uh, participated on are there. Um, And if, you know, if anyone wanted to talk to me or have a question or something like that, I'm very, very active on LinkedIn, I'm uh, definitely post every day. And, um, you know, working hard to engage on that platform, I do participate in the other ones. But uh, LinkedIn is definitely the one where I put the most energy, and I'm definitely easy to find on LinkedIn. So.
1: Well, that's a smart thing to do for LinkedIn for what you do. So I,
2: yeah,
1: I would concur. So just as a reminder to everyone, attraction is not a choice. I've written it down and we all should remember it. Well, it has been just so wonderful chatting with you, laughing with you, sharing stories. I would encourage everyone to go to your website, also to get your book that is available. I saw on Amazon. So never sit yeah. in the lobby by Glenn Pulitz. Again, never sit in the lobby. Thank you so much for being a great guest. And remember, life is a journey and it's up to you to enjoy the ride. This is Vicki Netling signing off.
0: Thank you for tuning into the Find Your Leadership Confidence podcast with Vicki Netling, where we share impactful lessons that help you grow as an individual, grow your confidence, and find the positive and good within you so you powerfully and authentically become the best version of yourself.